And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. We have to talk money with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good afternoon. How are we good? <laughs> Looking forward to that exit door. <laughs> well, I thought you said we were racing straight to Dan Murphy's. I said, <laughs> yeah. how did you know about that? <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to steal your thunder. I knew oh, you'd mention it. Uh, right. there's, another, there's another shameless free commercial plug for Dan Murphy's. Yes, um, one day they'll de- deliver a crate of something. Yeah, they better. Because you've mentioned them often enough. Cucumber tonic water, they can start with that. <laughs> oh, is that the secret deal here? You, you've mentioned them every Friday and then you get a discount on your way home. Is that oh, how yeah, it there's works? There's no discount cash, getting... Cash no, for comment. No discount getting made, but, no, you know, no. Gungarlan if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to do you any good. Nah. Now, nah. we've got a really good topic today because this mm. is the perennial question. Uh, in simple terms, it's how can I get more money? But in a particular point of uh, – in a particular term of reference, mm. we're dealing with income from cash because once upon a time, yeah. you could put cash in the bank yes. and you'd get a thing called interest. Correct. Remember that? Yes, like, you don't, don- you like don't, dinosaurs. You don't get that anymore. <laughs> So yeah. if you've got some cash to invest, a lot of people are asking, yeah. where can I get income from my cash? Yeah, look, I think very topical at the moment, and I think it's not a problem that's going to go away or an issue that's going to go away anytime soon because there's going to be very little stimulus to push interest rates up and they'll be have to – well, we'll have a number of potential changes in the general environment for that to occur. So it's going to be lower for longer – um, and you're exactly right. You think back to 06 when you could put money into a high-interest bank account and get eight. Mm-hmm. That was a lay-down misere. Now people are getting excited about 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 on a term deposit. Do you remember the good old days in oh. the 80s when you could get a lot more than that? Well, well, yeah, well before my time. Um, but it, it, it's a question that we get a lot, and I guess I wanted to just touch on various ways where people could go to try and get a little bit more income from their investments, but also then to sort of – raise the awareness of things to consider because the term fixed interest I find if I use that language and say listen we can put some fixed interest in your portfolio I say fixed interest the look on people's faces says that the words term deposit Mm -hmm. landed in their ears right now it's important to I guess understand right off the bat that fixed interest is a sector of investment, just like property, Australian equities, international infrastructure. Fixed interest is generally the defensive part of your portfolio. So your average person might run 70% growth assets and 30% defensive assets, and your fixed interest holdings would fall into that 30%. So they're the part of the portfolio we don't want a lot of volatility from. We don't want to see big swings up and down. And we want to be able to have a safer side of our broader investment mm. uh, philosophy in that sort of area. So while term deposits are, in fact, fixed interest, mm. what else is fixed interest that people are missing? Well, and this is, this is again, very, very important. This is why I think alluding to some of the names and, and, and looking for areas to get some. So you can buy fixed interest managed funds, right? which is a collection of numerous investments like a managed fund. You could have up to, let's throw a number out, 100 different investments in the underlying fund and they will have different maturity dates, different income rates. So it's important to look under the hood as we've said in previous shows. Don't just assume that somebody says it's low risk, it's low risk. We touched last year on, well, what does balance mean? And we learned that that could mean a range of different things. So I I recommend that people don't just look at the label, look at what you're buying. Because whilst you have a fixed interest fund 
and that could generate between 2 and 5%. Now, when you can have a range like that, that should trigger in your mind, ooh, 2% or 5%. I'm taking more risk for a higher return. Yes. And a very basic example of that could be we have domestic fixed interest investments, which could be government bonds, corporate investments, and different rating or different levels of quality from AAA down to, to B. And that A to B rating is looking at the underlying quality and security of the thing that you're buying into. On the flip side, we could go and buy Italian bonds mm. or potentially Greek bonds. Mm. Now, a lot more risk, therefore you want a lot more return. Yeah. But remember, the key word there is risk for return. Yes. You get nothing in life for free, and it's important that you look under the hood and say, well, if, if this is fixed interest, ooh, people love jumping to the really high number. I can get 6% here. I can get 5% there. That's coming at a price. Um, and I use the analogy regularly. If you drove down the parkway at 100, if you got pulled over at 105, you'd be unlucky. You get pulled over at 180, it's a little bit harder to talk your way out of a ticket. <laughs> and this is what people need to keep in mind yeah. when we go chasing yield of 3, 4, 5 or more percent. Everything comes at a risk. Yeah. And one of the things that people are doing at the moment is they're looking at um, ETFs or exchange-traded funds in the fixed interest space. Again, another way to get um, a better level of income than, say, cash and a term deposit. But keep in mind, it doesn't come without risk. You could also use a converting preference share or a hybrid security. Now, these were the rage, and they've been around for a long time. Back when I was much younger, um, they were far more debt-like than they are now. Um, the converting preference shares and the new hybrid investments that you find a lot of banks issue. Right. And they'll have a bigger code like CBA PD, CBA PE, CBA da da da. That's the stock code, so it's listed. It's yes. on the ASX, and that has a face. It has a face value that they issue the price at, and it has a running yield that is a margin over a certain mm. index that they will pay over the life of the investment. And the fact that it's listed, like the ETFs, for example, mm -hmm. or, or those those um, hybrids that you're talking about, yep. the the important factor there is, of course, it makes them easier to buy and sell, doesn't it? You can get in, yes. get out yes. when you feel you need to. You you can have more control over the transaction nature yep. of what's there, but you also need to keep in mind that there may be limited liquidity depending on the availability of what's in the market. So right. just because you want to sell something doesn't mean there's someone on the other side of the transaction wanting to buy it. Okay. So again, this is where you need to look under the hood and say, well, what's the risk I'm taking on? It could be liquidity risk. It could be um, the, the issuer risk. So you find that more stable companies provide lower income than riskier companies. Yes. Because again, you're taking on more risk. So I, I recommend that you look at who's issuing, in, in that example for a, a converting preference share or a hybrid, my general rule has always been, would I buy the issuing company's normal stock? So again, we'll use CBA just for an example. If I want to buy a CBA hybrid that's paying 3.4%, would I buy CBA as the issuer? And I've always worked on the basis that I'd want to be able to be comfortable to hold the headline stock because these are not fixed interest, you know, and I stress that. There's an argument on both sides of the fence, but the complexity of the way these instruments are now created, they are far more equity-like mm. in principle where you could be forced to hold CBA stock and it could be converted. Yeah. So whilst they're sold in the fixed interest so, space, 
yeah, if they have equity-like characteristics. Yeah, if that's the case, why bother going into the complicated things that are a bit more difficult to understand? Why not just buy the shares? Because I think a lot of people have done that, haven't they? They've been disappointed yeah. not being able to get the returns out of the old good old-fashioned term deposits. Yep. So instead of that, instead of having a deposit on the bank, they've decided to buy the shares in the bank. And yep. they've done pretty well over the last decade doing that. Correct. And I think we're seeing an issuance of that at the moment where people are searching for income um, because they might need 3 4 5% of their asset base to live and they're getting half a percent in cash and term deposits. So it's pushing people out of their comfort zone in relation to what can I buy. That then means people need to take on more risk in relation to the construction of their portfolio. So whilst you want to be able to fund the way you want to live, you need to keep in mind that if you are a so-called conservative investor, you are driving at, you know, you're not doing 100 in a 100 zone now, you're starting to do 120, mm. 130, 140. And keep in mind that if you know something like COVID comes along again, you yeah. will see a fall in the capital value of your assets. But we've learned, you know, it's a great example, COVID, that things do recover quickly and it pays to stay invested in a market because those that got cute and tried to time it um, missed out on a significant amount of upside, you know, especially coming off. The yeah, ob- obviously, if you buy shares in, you know, to rely on the same example, the Commonwealth Bank, yes, we can see the share price decline at mm. certain times. Uh, but at the end of the day, something like the CBA mm. is really a pretty solid, reliable yeah. investment. Uh, you know, banking in Australia is pretty yep. much guaranteed yep. by the yep. government. It's not going to be allowed to fail. Mm. So worst case scenario, you might lose a few dollars if you sell at the wrong time. The secret there is don't sell when it's down. And look, I think you've hit the nail on the head and that's really what we're trying to allude to here. People are buying CBA, for example, at $100 Mm. because they'd like to get a 3% income stream over 0.5, but that doesn't mean that their capital's not at risk. So as long as you keep that in mind, I'm, I'm more than happy for people to approach that income discussion with that lens. But just remember that nothing's without risk and you need, as we say most weeks, start with why yeah. and come backwards. Now, uh, what about low-risk property funds? Now, you don't mm. have to go and buy a property. You can buy a piece of a fund that invests in property. That's right. And again, for every sector, there's an element of risk. You can have really, really boring and you can have really, really sexy and really exciting. And as I've learned in my 44 years of being on this earth, if it's really, really exciting and really, really sexy, it's generally pretty risky (laughs) (laughs) on all fronts. (laughs) Yes, it's like that white Lamborghini I saw on the street when I was out for a walk today. Uh, It sounded good. It looked good. But I tell you what, the rate he was travelling down Gangalan Drive, he was taking a big risk. Oh, you can get away with murder down Gangalan Drive. Don't worry about that. Um, But you're right. It's, It's, again, it's about looking at where can I get income. So... Property funds and, and A-REITs, so real estate equity trusts. So it's a combination of different sectors. You can have some commercial, you can have some industrial, you can have office. Um, another great way to diversify what are generally perceived as more boring assets because it could be it's a shopping centre that collects rent, um, it's a storage facility that collects tenancies, it's a way of generating an income stream. Some of those at the moment will pay between sort of 4 and 6% income. Now, another good way to top up your distributable income out of your portfolio um, and a way to maybe take on a little bit less risk than an equity um, because they can move a little bit more up and yeah, down. Even the solid, reliable companies exactly. are not immune from drops in the share price. Exactly. And yeah. I, again, I think it's an example of people reaching outside of their comfort zone and looking for alternatives 
um, where they may not have been comfortable in the past. And everybody hopes that, that rates go up, but there, there won't be a lot of drivers in the short term. So finding something that you're comfortable with, again, I stress, look under the hood, know what you're buying. Whilst Australian bonds can be called fixed interest, Italian bonds could be called fixed interest. <laughs> they are not the same. No. you know. But again, don't look at the name. Look at what you're buying and mm. the risk that you're taking on. And also look at the quality of the, the, the issuance. Who's providing the opportunity? Like you said before, CBA, very big, very safe, very stable, will be here for many years to come. You want those sorts of things in the fixed interest space because we saw in the GFC uh, a, a push for mortgage funds yeah. and then a lot of those collapsed. They froze up and people couldn't get their money back. So, again, liquidity is a risk um, and, and you don't get anything for free in any sector, including fixed interest, even though it sounds mm. safe and defensive. So what are some of the practical matters that people should consider when uh, looking at buying an income-based asset? Yeah, so if we're talking hybrids, look at the look at the yield and look at the provider. Okay, so who's issuing the stock? Is it is it CBA or is it Shifting Sands Mutual? You'll probably get a different rate of return depending on who's issuing the stock. I've heard of them, Shifting Sands <laughs> Mutual. Um, look at the running yield. That's the income that you will receive as a distribution. The yield to maturity is another another term that you hear, and that's the income plus the capital to the maturity date. So that's not the cash that you will receive. Look at the running yield. That's the money that will be dropping into the bank. Check and see if there are franking credits involved because what some providers do is they'll talk about the return including the franking credit. It might be 3.5 fully franked. You actually get two something as cash. Right. So there's a tax benefit wrapped up into that. So look at what your running yield is. Check the price. A lot of the hybrids will trade at a face value, so they issued at $100. A lot of them now are trading at 101 102 103 104 because of the factors that we've talked about today. People are buying them to get more income, which has meant that the price has been pushed up past the face value. So check the price and see what they were issued at so that you're not paying overs for something. Um, look and see what the ETF is holding. If you go down the ETF road, look and say, what are the underlying investments? Do I have some Italy? Do I have some emerging markets? Am I investing in India, China, USA, Japan? Where are the assets being held? Because everyone will have a different risk profile and you need to understand what's there. Um, look at the average rating of the ETF. So people like a Vanguard or a BetaShares or iShares, large providers of ETFs. Yes. You can go and buy a bond fund with Vanguard, for example, and they will have an average quality rating that might be double A minus. So you know that that's very, very good, high quality assets that are going to be very secure compared to something that might be triple B. It's not as sexy. Well, it's more sexy, uh, but it could come with more risk. So yeah. again, know what's in the fund that you're going to buy and also look at liquidity. Are there any withdrawal restrictions? Is there any limitations around getting your money out? Some funds will let you transact regularly. Some might say you can withdraw quarterly, half yearly, annually. Just understand what you're working with in relation to the provider that you decide to go with so there are no surprises if you need some money for a new car. Indeed. So what are some key strategies yep. we need to remember? Well, I think if we rehash, you know, we recap what we spoke about before the ad break, know what you're, know what you're taking on risk-wise. Um, nobody gets anything for free, but... It doesn't mean that you can't have a suitably diversified portfolio. 
look at your individual weightings. If you're going to hold 2 or 3% of something in your portfolio, then you can afford to have some more defensive options and then maybe a few slightly more risky options so that on average you're not taking on a crazy amount of risk because I find people are very adventurous when things are going well and not so much when things go sideways. Yes, um, so that I think makes sense. You yes. need, yeah, you need to truly understand your tolerance for risk and everybody's a little bit different. Um, don't chase the highest number um, because it's a bit like saying this is the best balance fund. It's not the name you want to look at. It's how fast is the car going? What are the underlying investments that are producing that number? Um, and you don't want to be misled or, or, or misinformed in relation to the true amount of risk that you're taking on. Um, consider some options you may not have heard of. So your hybrids, uh, your ETFs, look at those options. They're a very cost-effective way of getting some slightly more income um, or slightly better income, should I say, um, because cash and term deposit rates aren't going to move anytime soon. Um, and having a little bit of cash on the side as well is is advantageous. So if you yeah. do have some liquidity issues, make sure that you've got a nice buffer on the side to be able to meet unforeseen expenses. You might keep six months or 12 months of pension income uh, in your account and the super money you can continue to build as you make contributions either yourself or from your employer. So look at your portfolio and understand how much risk you're willing to take on. Consider property. Um, you can buy an A-REIT fund or a, a property ETF. That will give you, again, a better income stream. But remember that you're taking on a little bit more risk. And if you do want to go out and buy equities, that's fine too. But just understand that if the price comes off, don't get upset by that. Over time, history shows that most things will recover. And if you buy good quality things and limit the risk of something collapsing completely, most of the time, and we saw this through the the, the COVID last year and yeah. also the Banking Royal Commission. A great example. CBA comes off in price but still reports $4.5 billion profit. Yeah. So their income remained very similar but their share price had come off because we didn't like them because people were boo-hooing the Royal Commission. And there's a good example that just because the price comes off, it doesn't automatically mean that the income comes off. That can happen but it's through different triggers and different levers. Yeah. So if you're going to buy equities, that's fine. Just understand that it's more of a long-term play and you are taking on a little bit more risk when it comes to looking at the overall allocation of your, your super fund or your pension account. Um, but I think be informed, be consistent, think long-term and, and don't just chase the highest number because it can come with more risk than you realise. And if things do go sideways... Um, you want to avoid the tears as best you can. Absolutely. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yep. So, number hasn't changed. 02 4749 uh, envision We've got the, the podcast, The Strategy Stacker, which is on iTunes and Spotify. And we've got the YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. That's Envision Financial Canberra, where we've got all of the, the shows. So, you can watch it on the iPhone, pause it, take some notes, and then hit play again when the kids run out of the kitchen. So there's something there for everybody. <laughs> Marvellous. Luke, it's a Friday afternoon. You are now free to go. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Back again next Friday with more good and helpful advice, I'm sure.